Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. If you guys would go with me, and we're going to go to 1 Peter and chapter 5. And while we're headed there, we'll pray. Father, I just thank you for who you are, Father. I thank you for your word. I thank you for this, this opportunity that we get to fellowship together, that we get to spend time in your presence, Father, that we get to hear your word. And I, I just thank you that as, we, that as we hear your word tonight, that you just bring revelation to us. You speak to the hearts of each and every individual here, Father, and that you just equip them to take this word to others as well. And we just thank you, Father, that you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive your message. And I thank you, Father, for utterance to speak it out as you would have it in Jesus' his name. Amen. And so, uh, you know, I was trying to figure out where I was going to go with this message for a while. I had a couple different ways I wanted to go. And, and, and what I want to talk about is the importance of men in church. How many guys know that men in church is an important thing? Right? I mean, we live in a world that wants to make church a female thing. Right? You ever watch TV shows and you see the old grannies that are in church and that's about it? Right? They don't make it appealing to young men. They don't make it appealing to any man, really, because we live in a fallen world. And so I want to start here in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. And uh, it says this, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Okay? I wrote this down. I, I, took, I went and looked up every individual word. Uh, in the Strong's Dictionary so that I could give you a really good definition of what this is saying. And so this is what I wrote down. Be sober, be vigilant, be awake and watchful. Because, showing us why, right? Because our adversary, our enemy, our opponent, the devil, the false accuser, the liar, the deceiver, the thief, the tempter, and the wicked one, as like or in the manner of, a roaring lion walks about, he walks around following you, seeking, plotting, desiring, inquiring, looking into and investigating who he may, which means that he also may not, depending on whether you, let, whether you resist him or not, devour, drown in sin, swallow up, isolate, prey on, steal from, kill, destroy, or blind. That's what the devil's looking to do. I mean, he's walking about plotting. He's looking for weaknesses in your life. Anybody in here got a weakness in their life? Guess what the devil's doing? He's looking for that. Where's he weak? What, what, what's his, what's, what's his, his weakness in his life? Is he impatient? Can I tell you guys? I got, I got two that are really tough for me. Oreos? Okay, that's, that's a weakness in my life. The other one is patience when I'm driving. Okay, one of the hardest things for me is to drive through the Walmart parking lot when people are walking down the middle of the driving aisle. Okay, and guess what? The devil knows it because I'll be, I mean, it, it, nothing sets me off faster than somebody walking a half a mile an hour and guess what I have to do? I have to be aware that I don't let myself go wild. Anybody know what road rage is like? 
road rage finger. You can't do that when you're a Christian, okay? <laughs> you can't do that. All right. But this here, okay, in my Bible, I have beside this verse, I have a triangle with an exclamation point, and I yellowed it in with my highlighter because this to me is a warning, right? Be sober, be vigilant, be on the lookout, danger, 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 danger. How many of you guys are thankful for warnings in the Bible? I tell you, you know, sometimes, you ever talk to somebody who's not a Christian, and they're like, I would never want to do that because I have to give up all the fun stuff that I do in my life, and I can't go to the bar drinking anymore, and I can't do this, and I can't do that, and I can't, right? You know why God put this in his word for us? To protect us, to correct us, to bring blessing to our lives. I'm telling you, there's things that I gave up when I became a Christian that wasn't easy on my flesh, but it has led to absolute blessing in every area of my life by following his word. It's kept me out of destruction. It keeps us from harm. I'm telling you guys, especially for the, if you're young and unmarried in here, the world wants you to think that you should go around and sleep with anybody that you want to sleep with. And when you, have, when you become a Christian and it's like, that's not something, you know, I wouldn't want to have to give that up. I'm telling you, because I'm married now, your relationship with your wife is more important than any one day or whatever you have with somebody else that you're not going to remember in 10 years. It's going to steal from you. It's going to take away. I mean, God designed this for two people to share together. And I'm telling you, you give away. I, I wish I had a piece of paper that was a piece of scrap paper. Anybody got a piece of scrap paper I can borrow? Here's a, can I tear up your, uh, can I tear this up? This is something God designed for you to share with your wife. Okay? And, and I'm, talking, I'm, I'm talking to anybody, but I'm mostly talking to young people. The world will try and tell you that you can give a piece of this away to somebody else. And I give you a piece. Okay. And I'll give you a piece. And I'll give you a piece. And I'll give you a piece. And now, what God gave for me to give to my wife, you see this? It's incomplete. Thank God that he can restore things. But I'm telling you, I just gave away something that wasn't mine to give. That must have been for somebody because that was not in my notes. But I'm telling you, his word is put in place for us to give us blessing, to protect us, to live the best life that we have possible. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come so that you can have life and life abundantly. So he gives us a warning so that we can learn, okay, beware, danger, danger, danger. Don't go there. Why? Because it's dangerous. It's as simple as that. It's going to lead to nothing good. I'll tell you, you guys ever, anybody in here ever driven down a street and you ended up on a wrong road and you ended up in the not so good part of town? I, I was very new to Tulsa when I, when I moved down there for Bible college. We went to the... Uh, we went to the state fair, and uh, I was riding with a buddy. Well, I was driving. My buddy was telling me where to go. He thought he knew where we were going, and we end up in this, in this neighborhood, and I'm like, we shouldn't be here, okay? I'm like, we should not be here. And you know what I did? 
this was, I, I still had a car where you had to push the locks down. We locked every door in the car, and guess what I did? I started watching. I'm looking. I'm alert now. Because why? Because there's, you know, there could be danger around me. And so I'm, I'm you understand? You start to look. Okay, am I, what's over here? What's over there? What's going on here? What, I want to know what's going on all around me so that I don't get ambushed by something, so somebody doesn't come out of, the, you know, out of a street. Or I want to know what's going on. You know what the Bible says? It says that Satan is the God of this world. And we just saw, he's looking for somebody to devour. He's looking for your weaknesses. He's trying to find a little place in, something that can stumble you. You need to be like you would in a, in a rough neighborhood, watching. What's going on around me? What, what's going to trip me up? You know what I have to know? I have to know my triggers. I, I was an alcoholic for five years. You know what I don't do? I don't spend a lot of time in a bar. I really spend zero time in a bar. I, I've gone to a bar to eat, but I don't hang out in places where I know I have a weakness. What's terrible is, I told you I have, an, I have a problem with Oreos, right? People, one of the guys at our church, when I got married, he set me up with a year subscription to Oreos. And it's a lie, because what it did is it sent me two family packs, or no, I got three family packs every two months. That is not enough to get you through two months, in case you're wondering. <laughs> Week and a half after I, I get them, I'm out. I'm like, I don't know what kind of subscription you think this is, but it's not true. But I don't, when I go to the grocery store, I don't buy them. You know why? Because I have no self-control when it comes to them. I, I watch out for myself. I'm like, that's not a good idea for me to grab these. Because I'll have to go back tomorrow and get another pack. You understand? I, I, I avoid things that I know that I can't handle. It helps me a lot until people, you know, I tell people, see, nobody, just so you guys know, don't send me these things. Don't buy them for me. Don't come to my house because I tell people this all the time. And you know what they do? I think they think it's funny because all the time Oreos show up at my house. I'm like, stop it. <laughs> I'm going to have to start giving them, you know, I'm going to sell them on the street for money because I'm like, you guys, I can't. But you understand, I don't personally, I don't go out and buy stuff like that. I don't spend my time in the bar. Now, I don't, I I've been sober for six years now, and I'm not afraid to walk into a bar to share the gospel with somebody, right? Or if that's what I feel led to do, or if I'm going to go in there and have a hamburger. But you know what? I, I, don't, I don't go into the bar to make friends. It's a weakness in my life. Danger, danger, danger. I spent, I'm t it's amazing. I got saved. God delivered me from the alcohol. But you know what? That... He delivered me from it, but I still had to make choices in my life because I was sober a year, went to Bible college, in Bible college for a year, and I'm telling you, I had the toughest time of my life not going to a bar. I don't know why, but the devil was after me and put it in my mind, you could go to a different town here where nobody knows you, and you could drink, and you could do it just one time. Just get it out of your system one time. I quit alcohol a lot of times, and there was never one time that I could just go to the bar and have one drink or have one night. Because the enemy knew I had a weakness in my life. I had to, I had to deal with that. We renew our minds to the Word of God. We put our body under, right? We think on good things. 
We have to be alert and we have to be watchful because I'm telling you guys, he is out there looking to wedge himself into your life. And I'm, I'm going to say this, I'm not discounting women, but I really believe that the devil is after men harder than women. And I'm going to give you some statistics as to why I think that, okay? Uh, if you could, would you please put up the first slide for me? When dad comes to Christ first, 93% of families follow. When mom comes to Christ first, 17% follow. When the kids do, 3.5%. That is a 76% difference of salvation in the family between the dad and the mom. That's huge. That is a huge difference. 93%. Do you guys know that 93% is almost 100%? When dads go to church, when, when he comes to Christ first, that's how much, that's huge. Can you give me the next slide, please? When mom and dad go to church, 72% of the family remains faithful to God. When just dad goes, 55% remain. When just mom goes, 15%. That's, that's a huge drop. Again, you see how important dad is to church? How important men are to church? That's 57% or yeah, that's a 57% drop from both parents and a 40% drop from just dad. And then the next slide, please. So this one's a little trickier to read, but thankfully I was able to read something about it. If mom and dad both attend church, one third of their children will attend regularly. And then uh, almost all of them will attend irregularly. That ends up being 74% that, att that either attend regularly or irregularly. Uh, if just mom attends church regularly, you see that? 2% attend regularly. 60% leave the church. And, and, and this is what's interesting is because it really, it, it doesn't matter a whole lot whether mom goes to church or not. For the kids, because 44% of them will attend regularly. That is a huge... I mean, do, you, do you understand how important men are to church? How important men are to the future generations of this world? I'm telling you, I mean, it's almost, it's almost a little disheartening knowing that we've got such a weight on our shoulders. But I'm here to encourage you, because I'm telling you, if you stay faithful to God and you stay faithful to church, we're going to make a difference in this world. And so, again, I'm not, I didn't put this down. I didn't show you guys this so you could go home and say, hey, hey, you're not important to the church, wife, or, or mom, or you know what I mean? This, I, I'm sharing this with you because I really believe that because the society that we live in today that wants to demasculinize church, wants to make you think that church is just for the women, wants you to make, you understand that the Bible was written, I, I, I think, all by men. Somebody questioned me. They're like, did Ruth? But then I went and looked at it, and I, I couldn't find out. Yeah, Ruth was written, I think, by Moses or somebody. I don't know. Whatever. I, I don't know if every writer was male or female, but it was primarily male people. 
You look at the people that, that were, I mean, David was a man after God's own heart, right? Samson was the strongest man that ever lived. God used men throughout the entire Bible. Church, I'm telling you, is not just for women. But the world is going to make you think that it's a woman's things because the same world, right, that we live in is the same world that has Satan as the God of this world. He's a blinder. He's a deceiver. I'm telling you, if he can make you feel isolated or make you feel like you're not enough or make you feel like church is just for the girls, guess what? Look what he's done to the church. Look what he's done to the future generations. It's a big deal. 61% of church attenders are female and only 39% are male. Women are 20 to 25% more likely to attend church than men. See, Satan's a schemer. I'm telling you, and I believe he sees the effect that men have on the future generations of the church. And he's looking to figure out a way to get you out. Right? He wants to isolate you. I'm going to show you another statistic. In America, men lead the statistics in incarcerated people, in suicide, in substance abuse, and in pornography viewing. And single-parent homes are overwhelmingly fatherless versus motherless. In America, where people will tell you that church is for the women, men, on the other hand, are leading the world statistics in garbage. Incarcerated people, suicide, substance abuse, pornography viewing, and primarily in single-parent homes, it's overwhelmingly fatherless. And I, I didn't... I didn't, I didn't want to kill you guys with, with statistics, but I'm telling you, if you go look up the statistics on children who grow up in fatherless homes, it just leads to a whole bunch more disaster. Crime, I mean, everything. And so the devil has made our culture believe that that, that, that incarceration and, and pornography viewing and substance abuse is more manly than churches. Right? That's what the men do. They go to the bar and they drink. They fight. They, you know, they go to jail because prison's manly. <laughs> right? You're locked in a cage. I tell you, it's a big deal. Understand that Satan is trying to trip us up and to isolate us. He wants to get you off your target. He wants to get you off the course of God what he's got for your life. He's looking for any little thing. He's roaming about like a roaring lion, looking for something. And I'm telling you, listen to me, we've all got something. We've all got something. Oreos are tough for me. Patience is tough for me. But I was an alcoholic for five years. Okay? If I'm not careful, I'll be one of the men leading in substance abuse. And then you know what the devil will do? He'll start to make you think, you're the only one. You guys understand? I, I know we got some hunters back there. They were supposed to, wolves, right? You got your, your hunting trip got canceled because of wolves this weekend. So you're going next week and take care of them, right? You know what wolves do? 
Wolves find some, someone weak in the pack, and they isolate it, and then they take it down. You know what the devil's trying to do? He's trying to find a weakness you have. He's trying to find a weakness that you have, and, and I'm going to share one with you that, that, that's going to that's drop your jaw in a, little, in, a, in a minute here. But he's trying to find whatever weakness you have, whether it be self-control or patience or, or man, I'm the only person that drives through the Walmart parking lot and has, and has road rage. I don't belong in the church anymore because I can't handle that. Because I can't, because it's something so simple as having, I don't belong in the church anymore, so I'm going to sit at home. And I'm not going to hang out with other believers. And I'm not going to hang, because nobody else has this problem except for me. God must not love me. He's not working in my life. I can't, I can't kick this thing. Anybody in here ever felt like that? I'm telling you guys, we're stronger in numbers. You ever watch, I mean, go watch some National Geographic sometime and see, you know, see a group of whatever antelope or something run off a, a, a lion because there's a ton of them, right? And they overwhelm the enemy. You're better off in church. You're better off with like believers. I don't care what you've got going in your life. Anybody ever see that meme that says, I don't care if you're doing drugs, go to church anyways. I don't care if you're sleeping around, go to church anyways. I don't care if you're drunk when you woke up this morning, go to church anyways. Why? Because being around people will change you. Man, I could have got saved and never stepped a foot in a church again, and you know where I'd be today? I'd be an alcoholic. I had a support system around me that helped me. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. I'm going to read it in the Passion Translation. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. You know, we started in our church, uh, a guy that goes to our church, he's such a, I, I love this guy, he come in one day, I've been looking, I run sound at the church, and I'm like, I can't stand it, you know, it was not something that I really would have preferred to do, uh, but we needed somebody to do it, and so I started running sound, and, and I got like no help, and this guy comes up to me one day, because I've been thinking about him even, I'm like, I wonder if he'd do sound, and he actually came up to me one day, and he says, can I help you in sound, and I'm like, you sure can, and he sat down beside me one day, and he said, you know, he says, I see you back here every week, and I'm like, I could do that. I'm like, that's awesome. I thought that was great. Because he's just like, he saw a need and he's like, I could, he's like, I could sit back here and move some, you know. And uh, then after a while, he said, I, I want to start. He said, I go to a cafe every Friday morning. He said, and there's always a group of men there. He said, they go every day. He said, I go sometimes on Fridays. And they just talk. They just talk about the cattle market. They talk about crops. They talk about the weather. They talk, he said, but they've got fellowship with each other. He said, and they're there every day. He's like, how cool would it be if we could start something at the church where we could have men come in and we could talk about God and we could encourage each other? And I'm like, that's awesome. Because men need encouraging. And men like, do you guys like fellowship? I enjoyed this tonight. And then guess what we get to do? We get to hear the word of God that's going to equip us and make us stronger and make us better men, make us better husbands, make us better fathers. You know, the word of God will tell you how to do all that. And so this was the scripture he brought out the first time we had our little men's morning deal. And I was like, this is such a good scripture. 
it says this, Hebrews 10.25, this is Passion Translation. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, even more frequently. You guys understand that we're coming to the end of time. It's getting closer every day. And guess what? Our population is higher than it's ever been. We need to be coming together more and more. Because I'm telling you, you're going to meet people throughout your life that need Jesus. And church is where you get equipped. Church isn't, I don't come to church to get saved. I got saved. I come to church so that I can learn and equip myself so that I can go out so that people like Pastor Sean doesn't have to do all the work by himself. Because that's a big job to do, isn't it? You got enough to do just on your regular day. And yet, Look at all the men that we have here that are here being equipped so that they can go out and help. Even more frequently. And then it says, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. Just because we're getting closer to the end of days doesn't mean that the devil's, he's not, he's not like, whoa, I better start slowing down. The finish line is getting close. I'd hate to run into the wall at the end of my trail. No, he's going full force. He's got a job. I mean, he's got a job to do too. It's a stupid job, but he's got a job to do. And I'm telling you, he is not letting up. He's not letting up. And so what do we do? We come to church. I get equipped, right? But I also get to come and I get a fellowship with Rick. Isn't that nice? And I can start having a conversation with him, and he might be like, man, I've really been struggling with this. And I can say, hey, I've been there too. This is what I did. And then he might share something, this is what I do. That's great. I'll use that. And then I'll go and talk to somebody else and say, hey, I've been dealing with this. He says, I've been doing that. I've had to deal with that too. Guess what? We're not alone. We're all dealing with something. Everybody's dealing with something in here. This is not the time to draw away. This is the time to come together more frequently and eagerly encourage each other. How many of you guys like when somebody encourages you? You ever been down? You guys know as men it's tough sometimes. Because you know what other, I mean... We are to lead our families, right? I mean, we're to provide for our ha- families. You know how sometimes that's tough? And I got to work my job. We, I, just on this Bible study when we were having on Friday morning, uh, they were talking about time. Time. I got to spend so much time providing my, for my family that I don't get to see my family. Anybody ever thought that? I'm at work all the time. Right? And, and my family's sitting at home, and I'm doing everything that I can to provide for them, and the price of eggs is, is seriously skyrocketed, and so I'm at work working overtime so that I can bring home some more money for my family that I never get to see. Do you think you're alone in that? I mean, we're all dealing with this. Understanding where our time is at. Because we have families. They want time. Man, you guys have wives? You know they like to spend time with you? I'm finding that out. 
I'm like, wow. I'm like, she really likes me. <laughs> you know? But I'm telling you, I, I was going somewhere with that, and I don't know where I was going, but, but <laughs> I'm telling you, things will try to pull you away from your family, work, right? And then other things come up after that. Somebody needs your help, and you just you want to be the guy that's always helpful. And now I gotta go help, and I got, and I got, and you'll think I'm the only one. My wife's always mad at me because I'm never at home, and I'm the only one. I bet everybody else in here could probably say the same thing, right? It's not the time to pull away. You know, this was written two thousand years ago inspired by the Holy Spirit. You don't think that he didn't know that in these last days that we'd be dealing with people wanting to not go to church to pull away. I got to, man, I got to work 40 hours a week, 60 hours a week, 80 hours a week. And then you want me to go to church on my one day off? Well, this, can you put that third slide up there? I'm telling you, going to church is the most important thing that you can do in a week. It's going to change the generation. It's going to change generations. All right. It's not the time to pull away. It's not the time to neglect meeting with fellow believers. And I'm telling you, bring your family. That's, it is the best time that you will spend with your family. First Peter Chapter 5, verse 8, and then we'll read verse 9. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And then it says this, resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. God knows you're not alone. Don't pull away. You are not alone. And I don't care what it is that you're dealing with. Don't let it draw you away. I'm telling you, his, his tactic is to isolate you, to make you think you're the only one that whatever you're dealing with is not happening to anybody else. Look how many people are around you. When you think I'm the only one in this group of people that's dealing with it, that's discouraging. But the Bible says knowing that your brethren in the world are dealing with the same things. I'm telling you, nobody's perfect, right? We're all imperfect people serving a perfect Savior. If I was perfect, maybe I wouldn't need the church. But you know what else I think? Jesus was perfect. And you still found him in the synagogues. Why? Because he could get something but he also had something to give. You've got something to give, whether you think so or not. You have a testimony. Whatever the devil's put you through, whatever you've fallen prey to, whatever you've stumbled on, I'm telling you, you can rise up victorious, and you can share that testimony with somebody else and change their life. I'm telling you, you are not alone. Do not let the enemy think that you're alone and isolate yourself. I think about Elijah, a prophet for God. You know, he, he said at one time, he said, I'm the only one left. He was, so, he was so discouraged, he literally went and laid down and said, God, just it would be better that I died. That's a tough place to be. 
And if you've ever seen the meme, there's a meme out there. Anybody seen it? Elijah, he was so discouraged, he sat down beside a tree, and, he, and, he, and he wanted, all he wanted to do was die. And, and God said, take a nap and have some food. And he woke up and realized things weren't so bad. <laughs> he was hungry. He was tired. Are you hungry? Come feed on the Word of God. Are you tired? Come to Jesus and let him give you rest. I'm telling you, you spend time in church, you spend time in the Word, it's going to change the rest of your week. It's going to cha change your life. I was an alcoholic, fornicator, pornography viewer. Guess what I'm not today? Why? Because of church. Because I surrounded myself with like believers who encouraged me. Peter said, knowing that the same hardship and pain, emotion, and influence is being performed on your Christian family. Can I tell you this? This one's the one that's gonna, that, that I think will, will shock you. 60 to 70% of men in church are addicted to pornography. 50 to 58% of pastors are addicted to pornography. And I guarantee you, some of you are thinking you're the only one. That's, a, that's an overwhelming amount of numbers. And I'm not saying that to discourage you. I'm saying that to know that you're not alone. But church is the place to be. The word of God is the place to be. God will work your sin out with you. You know, when I got saved, he delivered me from the alcohol. But, you know, I had to work on a lot of different stuff. Some of it that I didn't even think was mattered. That one I can keep. I'll put that one in my pocket. I like that one. Why would I give that up? And as I grew in the word of God and I grew in my relationship with him, I'm like, I don't need that. But had I not stayed in the word and stayed in church with like believers, it'd probably be in my pocket. I might have a backpack full of them. I'm telling you, if you take one thing away from this, know that you are not alone. And, I, and, and, and if this message, if you're like, this is really good, but I'm, really, I'm, I'm a saint, you know, I got no problems. I want you to remember this message and take it to somebody else. Because I'm telling you, there's people out there that think, I don't need church because I got this problem. I don't need church because the world tells me it's for women. We need men in church. You can see by the numbers, we need men in church. Don't let the devil isolate you and take you down. I want to tell you a story about a guy. Uh, I was holding a Bible study, recovery, a recovery meeting, Bible study, uh, at the church there in Mile City. And, and I had a guy walk in one night, and he had come to our church, I think, like three Sundays in a row. And so he came into my Bible study. It was on a Tuesday night, and he sits down in the chair. And, and we talked for like 45 minutes, and I could tell the whole time something's bothering this guy. Something's really just... He's, he's, not, he's unsettled, right? And finally, he just looks at me and he says, listen, he says, I want to know if you guys are going to kick me out of this church because I live with my girlfriend. And the last church that we went to, the pastor came up to us after church and told us we were no longer welcome there because we were living in sin. And I was like, oh my gosh. Because to me, that seems like the stupidest thing ever. It's like having a plant in, in, in soil and seeing that it's out of water. This thing is dry and it's dying. 
Let me grab it and throw it out. When instead, you could pour a little bit of water on this thing and watch it flourish. And so I told him, no, we will not kick you out of this church for living with your girlfriend. I said, but I am going to tell you that, that sex before marriage is sin. I don't care. That's between you and God. I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to share with you what the word says because I'm not going to lie to you and sugarcoat everything so that you can live in sin for the rest of your life. I'm going to tell you what it is, but it's up to you to deal with that. I told him, and then I said, we do weddings. Because I, I heard that from my pastor. We do weddings. And he says to me, I'm not getting married because it's just a piece of paper from the government. Okay. I said, let me tell you something. God ordained marriage. So I don't care what the government, I said, if it costs you $50 to get a stupid marriage license and, and you have to file a piece of paperwork, I don't care. Marriage is ordained by God. He says, ah, maybe someday. Six months later, he's engaged. And within a year, he's married. I did his wedding this summer. Because why? He wasn't alone. Yet he thought he was. He was in prison before that. He was, I mean, he had come out of prison. Drug dealer, addicted to drugs. Got out of prison. Somebody gave him while he was in the prison a, a New Testament Gideon's Bible. And he started reading it in the jail. He goes to church and he gets saved. And then he gets kicked out of the church. And he says to me, I was ready to throw this thing in the garbage. He's not alone. He wanted to have fellowship with like believers. We gave him a chance. I'm telling you, he comes to church. He sits in the second row of church every single Sunday. He was so excited one day. He comes to me. He says, you know, he says, he says Pastor Rusty was preaching about forgiveness. He said, my kids were goofing off. He's like, and I was mad. And I, he's like, I, he's like why, am I, why do I even bring him to church? He said, and then we get in the car. And uh, he said, the younger kid picks on the bigger kid. And, and then he says, but you have to forgive me because the pastor said it. And he might not got it all right, but you know what he said? He said, that encouraged me so much. He said, because my kids are listening in church. He's going to change a generation because he was man enough to go to church. I'm telling you, it is a big deal. He went from being isolated to being in the fellowship of believers. He went from being a drug addict to being saved by Jesus. He went from being somebody who thought the church wasn't important, about to throw his Bible away, to raising a family that's going to raise up and do something for God. It's a manly thing, if you ask me. I'm telling you, he designed church for everybody, not just for women. I think about David. You know, David was, God called him a man after his own heart. And you know what David did? David committed adultery, and then he, <laughs> he conceives, there's a scripture, I believe it's in, I believe it's, is it Galatians I'm thinking of? Anyways, it talks about how, uh, desire, talks about the desire, right, and, and, and if you give in to the desire, when you're enticed by desire and you give in to it, it breeds sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, it leads to death, and so David a man after God's own heart sees a beautiful woman bathing on... And you want to know something that's interesting about that? This was in the time of war when David, the king, should have actually been out at war. And instead, David's sitting in his house drinking a cup of coffee, and he happens to gaze out across the alleyway, and he sees Bathsheba. 
And he's like, oh, she's pretty. And guess what? Desire. Desires come because he's not where he's supposed to be. Because he should have been out fighting with the rest of the men. And so this desire happens, and he thinks about it, and he thinks about it because, oh, she's so beautiful. And he gives in, and it conceives. And guess what happens? She conceives, and he's like, oh, no, now i got to hide my mistake because that's going to be a hard one to, 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 to cover up when her husband is right where I'm supposed to be. And so what does he do? He sends him out to the front lines and has him murdered. Well, this is a man after God's own heart who's just committed adultery and now murdered, and then he lies about it. But I'll tell you one thing that I like about David is when he was confronted with his sin, he repented, changed his actions. Changed, I mean, David went on. He didn't isolate himself and been like, man, I'm the only one stupid enough to have done that. I give up. He repented, and he went on living his life for God. You are not alone. Understand this. If you're a born-again believer, the devil's weak. The devil's weak. I know we've talked a lot. The devil's looking for places. But I'm telling you, when you're born, you, he's looking for someone he can devour. He's looking for weaknesses. He's looking for a place. But I'm telling you, you are a born-again believer. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in this world. You're victorious. You're more than a conqueror in Christ. Right? I'm telling you. And so he said to us in uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 9, he said, resist him. Resist him. The Bible says that he looks like a lion. Walks about as a lion. But you know what the Bible also says about the devil? He says there's going to come a day when we see him, when we look upon him, and we're going to say, is this the man? Is this the man who deceived the nations? Is this the man who caused me to have road rage in the middle of the Walmart parking lot? Is this the man? I'm telling you, he only has power if you let him. Resist him. Resist him. Go to Ephesians chapter 6, and we'll go to verse 10, and this will be in the message. You resist him steadfast in the faith. You have got, you don't just sit on your couch, right, thinking, oh, the devil's got me. He's done so much. It's over. You get up and you fight. You get up and you fight. It says this, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. And that about wraps it up. God is strong and he wants you strong. What is manly? Strong. God is strong. And he wants you strong. So take up everything the master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials, and put them to use so you'll be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. How many of you guys like weapons? All right? I mean, who won the knives? Who's excited about winning the knives tonight? You know what I mean? Who likes weapons? I'm telling you. Take up God's weapons and get to the fight so that you, 
he says here, so that you will be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. This is no weekend war that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple hours. This is for keeps, a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. Then he says this, be prepared. Huh. Be sober. Be vigilant. Look out. Look around you. Know your weaknesses. Understand where you're at. Understand where he's trying to trip you up. And be prepared. You are up against more than you can handle on your own. Don't isolate yourself. You are not alone. God is with you. And I'm telling you, you put yourself with like believers. Do not do this on your own. Take all the help you can get. Rely on God. But don't be one of those guys that says, I got God and that's all I need. I don't need to be around other people. I don't need the church because I got all this. I got God. Oh. You know what you're going to find yourself? Isolated. Pray to the devil. Don't pray to him. P-R-E-Y. Okay? Don't go getting crazy on me. Take all the help you can get. Every weapon that God has issued so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. Man, I'm telling you, this, that's what church is. You guys know Pastor Sean. What does he do? He equips you with the word of God so that you know how to use it. How many of you can say that that's helped you in your life? Thank you for equipping me with the word of God. Because I need it in my life. I am thankful. I, I don't know if you guys know Pastor Larry from Breakforth Bible Church, but I, I just, you know, I, to me, he's an old cowboy, okay? And... and uh, it just makes my heart happy to see somebody who, who lived life as a man totally serve God. Because I'm like, this guy could do anything else in the world. I mean, he was good with horses. He's good with a rope. I mean, he could work, you know. He, I mean, he knew how to work. And he's like, I'm going to serve God. Got a heart for God. I mean, he is a man after God's own heart. Just as I'm sure Pastor Sean, I mean, I don't know you as well, but, you know, he's a, and, and Mike, Right? You guys, drywall, they came in and, and, and did drywall work. Like, they, they finished our church in, in Glendive in, like, an hour and a half. Like, I'm not kidding you. We spent, like, three months there mudding these walls, like, tape and ta taping and, and all this. And they come in, and literally they pull up at, like, 1030. He does a couple little on the wall, right? I mean, he's a man. He's like, I, I know what I'm doing here. And just, and then he takes out his big old 200-foot of hose and just, And it, by noon, they, got the, they pulled up at like 10.30. And at noon, they're sitting down eating pizza with us. <laughs> Done. Packed up, ready to go. But guess what? And, and I'm sure he makes a lot of money doing stuff like that. When you get good at it like that, man, that, you know how long that would have taken me? Another three months at least. <laughs> what am I saying? These are men. They could do anything got good jobs. What are they doing? They're serving God. That excites me. Men serving God. Businessmen. Cowboys. Military people. Serving God. It's exciting. 
It's manly, right? He's talking, I mean, and so he's talking about in the scripture, he's talking about war. Does war sound manly to you? Right? I mean, up until a couple, ten years ago or whatever, we didn't even let women in the military. Why? Because it was a manly thing. Well, this is what the Bible's telling us about. Manly stuff. It's war. I'm telling you, how many, when you guys watch movies, how many of you guys like romantic comedies? Right? You ever get end of the day and you're like, I'd love to watch a romantic comedy now. Or you like, give me the action, show me the war movie, let me see something, right? Let me go watch Top Gun for the 10th time. Right? Or do you want to watch 50 First Dates for the 50th time? <laughs> yeah, Hallmark, yeah. yeah. Uh, we, we were subscribed to Hallmark for the month of January, or de December, in case you're wondering. And I probably have seen 50 First Dates 50 times <laughs> since I got married. I prefer war movies action, right? It's manly stuff. I'm telling you, we're called to do some action. It's manly stuff. And I'm telling you, he talked about here, he said, it's a life or death fight. Take up every weapon that God gave you. You know what that weapon is? It's the word of God. Anybody ever, ever picked up a weapon they didn't know how to use? You know? Somebody throws out a gun, and I've never seen it in my life, and I pick it up, and I'm like, whoa, how do I, you know, where's the, where do I put the bullets in? Where do I, what, where's the safety at? Where's, how do I, how do I make this thing work? Right? A weapon is useless to you if you don't know how to use it. Do you know, before I was saved, I tried reading the Bible. It was like an unloaded weapon to me. I didn't understand a word that was in it. But I'm telling you, I got saved, Holy Spirit inside of me, right? Can reveal some things to me, help me, and then I sat under a pastor. Because you know what the Bible says, Jeremiah 3.15 says that I will give you pastors according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. You guys know that knowledge is no good if you don't understand it? Anybody, can I share one with you? Maybe you guys know this. Uh, you ever do A squared plus B squared, or A, yeah, A squared plus B squared equals C squared in school? Yeah, exactly, right? And uh, for all my life, I thought that's never going to do me any good. Would never do me any good. But then I worked a construction job where I found out that A squared plus B squared uh, equals C squared, which gives me a square corner. I call it 3, 4, 5 it. If you've been in construction, you know 3, 4, 5 it. Or you could 6, 8, 10 it, or whatever, you know. It, makes, it finds a square corner. I had knowledge of A squared plus B squared equals C squared when I was in school, and I had no application to it. It was useless to me. Now, if I go to build a building, it's priceless information. Your pastors fill you with that priceless information. The Holy Spirit in you, when you're reading the Word of God, fills you with that priceless information. Pick up the word of God, come together and assemble under your man of God and encourage one another. Do not isolate yourselves. You know, David took 400 men, discontented, uh, discouraged, and in debt. 400 men, just a big old pile of problems. And he turned them into mighty men. Why? Because they were together, fellowshipping with each other, 
encouraging each other, sitting under a man of God, turn them into mighty men. I mean, they were pretty much a burden to society. And he turned them into mighty men, mighty warriors for God. Because they fellowshiped with one another. And I'm telling you, it's the reason that they became mighty men. Church is important. And like I said, if you, if you don't think this message was for you, share it with someone else. Because there's men out there that think church isn't important. And it is. So remember this. I'm going to give you three things to take away. To remember. Be aware. Know that your enemy is around. Look out for one another. Look out for one another. I'm telling you, you've got to be aware for yourself, but look for people. You come into church on Sunday morning and somebody looks down, go encourage them. That's what God's called us to do. Because I'm telling you, if nobody sees that person, man, when I was serving in Bible college at the church, they said, I walked into the church, this was an usher telling me this, he said, I walked into the church, he said, I saw this guy, and he was just standing by himself, he said, and so I went over there, and I, you know, just shook his hand, and I said, hey, it's nice to see you, I'm glad you're here, and, and he came back a couple weeks later, and he said, I was going to kill myself if somebody didn't talk to me at church tonight. He said, that's, he said, he said I came into the church, and I said, God, if, if you care about me, somebody will come and say hi to me. That was just about one less man working for the kingdom of God. Seek out those people that look alone. Because I'm telling you, if you don't, they might not be back next week. Number two, know you aren't alone and don't isolate yourself. I'm telling you guys, everybody's dealing with something. Everybody's struggling somewhere. Don't isolate yourself. Number three, resist him. Take up your weapons, take up the word of God, and fight. Fight. It ain't always easy. I'd love to tell you, man, if you get born again, it's a cakewalk. It's not. It's not. I mean, I tell you, there's good days, there's bad days. But every day with God is worth it. If, if every day with God wasn't worth it, I'd be in the bar right now. I'd be, that's what I'd be doing. Because I've lived life without him. I understand what it's like. I've been there. It was so bad that the guy that used to say, I'll never go to church again, goes to church every Sunday. Because it's better. And take up your weapons and fight. Take up the word of God and fight. Amen. Amen. Well, Father, I just thank you for who you are, and I thank you, Father, for this word. I thank you that, that you created church for us to fellowship with each other, to encourage one another, Father, to just become mighty men for you. And I just thank you, Father, that, that this word sets deep in each and every person here, and that they will also take it, Father, and share it with others, that they will, that they will take it and, 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 and share your gospel with other people and just share that, that you care about people and that you want men in church and that it is a manly thing. And I just thank you, Father, for every man in here that has said yes to you and that is going out and taking care of your work and your business on earth. And I just thank you, Father, that you just help us to be doers of your word and not just hearers only. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.